Uh, we are in a series called Habitat. And if you look up habitat in a dictionary, you'll read a definition that goes something like this. A habitat is a place that is natural for vibrancy and growth. Um, so as, as part of this beginning of the year Sunday series, we considered how that definition of a habitat reframes what salvation is. Salvation is not just a um, the result of a prayer and it's it's done. Uh, salvation is a life, a capital L life of vibrancy and growth. Uh, it's not a problem-free life. Uh, it's not what any of us would consider an easy life, uh, but it is the life that's worth living. And so the spiritual habitat that we've been talking about is the answer to the question, if you were to live tomorrow and for a long time after that, would you like to live life to the fullest? Would you know, like to know how to live life to the fullest? So I'm going to say uh, this, that growth is central to salvation. And by growth, I'm talking about that process of maturing. Um, the Bible calls it uh, transformation, metamorphosis. But growth is central to salvation. Therefore, growth is central to experiencing an abundant life lived to the glory of God and for the sake of others. And I would add that growth is central to our mission as a church. As a church, we want to create habitats for growth that bring glory to God and benefit the people around us. So what elements are conducive to growth? Well, see, we cannot will ourselves to grow. Um, it, we don't just sit there and and um, and go. Okay, now I want, I'm going to grow today. Um, but what we can do is place ourselves in settings, in habitats where growth is the most natural outcome. You'd have to work hard not to grow if you were uh, surrounded in the right environment. So for us to grow, we must be. And this is where I used uh, the um, acronym for growth. In fact, I'll go ahead and uh, copy and paste this into the chat feature. Um, but it begins with being grounded in God's narrative. Uh, we looked at that a couple of weeks ago and we asked our, uh, ourselves, what is the narrative that we live our lives by? Is it based on the goodness of God? Uh, we looked last week at what it's like to live rooted in God's love for us and how that gives us the freedom uh, to to dig deep and say, um, because of God's love for me, what is the desire uh, that he has put in me. Uh, in fact, we uh, I challenged you last week to whether you use post-it notes or not, but just to answer that question, imagine Jesus uh, posing the question to you, what do you want me to do for you? And as we peel back those layers, we get to that core, core desire that God has placed in us. Today, we're going to look at orchards of community in the next three weeks, winters of pruning, a trellis of practices, and a harvest of good works. And this isn't like you do one step and then you move on to the next. These are all kind of weave together. And I think you'll kind of start to get a feel for that as we um, as we talk about some things today. But specifically, uh, what I want us to see is how an orchard of community helps you arrange your life around your God-given desires. Uh, we come together to encourage each other to live according to a to live a life congruent with those God-given desires. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, 
the, the growth groups. Uh, the first one will start on Wednesday. We'll have an identical growth group that starts a week from tomorrow. And that's a, a it's going to be a shared journey of growth, a shared journey of transformation. Uh, uh, transformation. Um, by calling it a growth group, we are essentially acknowledging, hey, I've got room to grow. Uh, that's what prompted me to dive into this book a few months ago that I'm going to help walk us through over the next 10 weeks, because I knew that there were some areas of my life that, that had that my growth was stunted. And so I, it's uh, by joining in with this growth group, it's a way of, of each of us being transformed on this shared journey. We come together and we acknowledge that we have several things in common, but one of them is a shared desire for life change. Um, a couple of things about community. It's a word that in, uh, outside of church, we think of the community as like the neighborhood that we live in. Within the church, Big C Church, we typically think of community as that the, a small group or that, the group of people that, uh, of Christians that you hang out with. And community gets confusing when, whenever we make it primarily about ourselves. At least I, I'm speaking for myself here. Community gets really confusing when I make community about me. Uh, my experiences, my feelings, my circumstances, what I think I need, what I think we can accomplish as a group. So I want us to, to begin by rethinking, as I talk about orchards of community, I want you to think of biblical community as a gift you receive, not something that you create by gathering the right people or choosing the right study or making sure that the best cook in your group is the one who hosts all of the meetings, as important as that third one could be. Um, community, instead of being around about me and my circle of carefully selected friends, community is really about the transforming presence of Christ in our midst. Let me say that again. Community is about the transforming presence of Christ in our midst. It's about what Christ can do in, through, and for each of us in that community. So what we're going to see here played out for us in Luke 24 is that an orchard of community is, is first a small number of people who help you recognize and respond to the presence of Jesus in your everyday ordinary life. Second, an orchard of community also will help you clarify and voice your greatest hopes and deepest longings. They will help you clarify and voice what we were talking about last week. And an orchard of community will also let you know when you're walking in the wrong direction, when you're living contrary to those God-given hopes that he's placed in you. And so um, those, those are things that um, I, I believe that when we gather together on Sundays, there are so many good things that happen. But the three things that I just mentioned are things that they need more than what we can do on a Sunday, even if we were meeting in person. You have to invest in a relational setting of community. That's why we are constantly saying, hey, have you, have you plugged into a faith community? Or now we're offering these, these growth groups. Uh, the growth groups are not to entirely replace our faith communities. Um, in those faith communities that you are known, you are welcomed, you are prayed for. Uh, the growth groups 
uh, attempt to maybe go just beyond that by creating a habitat that's focused on your growth to help you recognize and respond the presence of God, to help you clarify and voice what you truly long for, and hold you accountable to living congruently with those desires and purposes. So if this is a season of your life when you can engage in the, over the next 10 weeks with us, I would encourage you to do that. Again, just email me, Gary at baymarin.org. Let me know if Wednesday or Monday is the, the group you want to be a part of. Luke 24, beginning in verse 13, I want to, this is a pretty uh, vivid example of what I'm talking about when we come together as an orchard of community. Um, what is uh, the setting here that we're about to read, this took place, this story took place on Resurrection Sunday. Uh, on the Friday before, Christ was crucified. But uh, the characters, the two disciples that we're about to uh, be introduced to in this passage are not aware of the fact that Jesus was raised to life on that Sunday morning. All they knew was what they had hoped for died when Jesus died on the cross on Friday. Beginning in verse 13, now that same day, two of them, disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, and specifically the things that had happened that they were very, uh, they, that they were despairing over, um, dealing with the, uh, the, the unexpected and shocking end to what they thought was the end to Christ's life. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, get this, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. For whatever reason, um, maybe it's because he was in his new glorified body having been resurrected. Maybe he was uh, wearing a Jedi cloak and they just didn't notice who he was. I don't know. Uh, but Jesus himself comes and walks along with them but they were kept from recognizing him. So let me ask you this question, and we'll, uh, I'll invite you to give me a response uh, in the chat feature if, if you've got a, an answer to this. Did you ever have a conversation with a famous person, but you didn't know they were famous? Like, like maybe somebody pointed out who that person was after your conversation was over. Uh, maybe you were, I don't know, you were waiting tables on, and you were waiting on somebody that was famous, but you didn't know uh, who they were. You had never heard of that person. They were famous to other people, but not to you. So the question I have is, who is the famous person that you talked to without knowing that they were actually famous? Does anybody have a story like that? Just just name who that person was, and maybe it's someone that, that we know. Bonnie Raitt, okay. Who was a, was a client of yours, yeah. Um, Clint Eastwood? No way. Okay, all right, I'm just gonna keep answering, but Wendy, I need you to unmute your mic for just a second. Can you, can you tell us just a little bit of the circumstances around meeting Clint Eastwood or maybe talking to Clint Eastwood, but not recognizing him. Yes, I was um, in Monterey or Carmel, where he had a restaurant called the Hog's Breath Inn. Mm -hmm. And I was 
um, with my, my ex and we were getting ready to walk into the door of the restaurant because we'd had reservations. And um, as I opened the door, um, uh, I bumped right into Clint Eastwood. He's very, very tall. So I, I didn't um, actually look up and see his face. I just kind of turned a little bit and said, you know, oh, excuse me, I'm, I'm sorry. And he said, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. And please come in. And, um, and then I looked up and, and Mitt, my ex, was like pulling on my arm. He was like ready to squeeze my arm off. He was like, oh, my God. And, um, and, and, and actually, right before I had even said, um, oh, we have a reservation. And I, I didn't really even was looking up at him. But, um, and I don't know that I would have recognized him right away. But then when I, when he spoke, I, I heard his voice and I was just, oh, wow. Um, yeah, this is him. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, it was pretty tripping. That's that's cool. great. He would be on my list of people I would love to to meet and have a meal. Yeah. So if you yeah. run into him again, tell him you know this guy named Gary. They'd like to. Yeah. Hang. Um, thank you, Wendy. So yeah, it, yeah we um, yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> I just enjoyed kind of reliving that as you shared that story. But can you imagine? Um, you're you're in the situation that we just described here in Luke twenty four. Um, where these people are talking, these two disciples are talking about Jesus to Jesus, but they didn't recognize him, okay? So it, it, it might have been like, um, if you were there, you'd be squeezing their arm saying, hey, you know, do you know who this is? So I, I guess what I want to say is an orchard of community is a space that's populated for the purpose of welcoming and recognizing the presence of Jesus, we we need those people to to tug on our arm and say hey did you recognize that god is at work right now um speaking for myself sometimes and maybe even most of the time i need an outsider's perspective on god's activity in my life an orchard of community helps me discern the ways that i've been living in the presence of god at work, during an illness, in the everyday, in the mundane, um, maybe in something that I would normally take credit for myself. These or this orchard of community is kind of like, wow, did you did you recognize that the divine creator is at work right now? And maybe maybe on your drive to work or or your walk to your home office. Um, at the grocery store, when you can't sleep at night, um, when you are at a restaurant, do you realize that God is present there? And what would it be like for us to be awakened to the fact that he is in our midst in those, more, in those moments? An orchard of community will remind you that when you pray, you are talking to Almighty God himself. And the Almighty God has paused time for the purpose of having a conversation with you. I mean, could there be any greater miracle than that of the creator of the universe eagerly bending his ear towards you and towards me? We need an orchard of community 
to remind us, hey, you're not as alone as you may feel right now. This may seem like the most unlikely place for you to find God, but I see him at work. I see what he's doing in your life. And we continue on in this story and, and the disciples are pretty honest with this stranger. And he uh, kind of eggs him on. He's like, so what are, what are you guys talking about? And, and they go on to express, and this is uh, verse 21, they confess, we had hoped that he was the one, we had hoped that Jesus was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. That word hoped, past tense, and that's a heavy word. How many of us have encountered, just in recent weeks, hope in the past tense? Maybe it's fading a little bit. Have you said in your own words, I had hoped? These disciples confess something really big and really heavy, and Jesus handles it with care as should any orchard of community. Um, let's think about this word hope. Last week we talked about rooted in love. Once we are awakened to the desires and longings God has placed within us, we need a discerning community of listeners around us. Part of what a healthy orchard of community provides is a place to give voice to your deep soul desires in an environment that is safe and can offer support. Because there might be some times when what you thought was a deep longing, you're beginning to question. Maybe, maybe that's just not gonna happen. Um, that's what I had hoped would happen, but I don't know. An orchard of community consists of a handful of people with whom you can honestly answer the question, how are you? <laughs> Honestly answering the how are you question. What is filling you with hope these days? Or what has you feeling depleted, defeated, having lost all hope? Christian companions will see what is truest about you and what God has placed in you. An orchard of community will love you and have a sincere regard for who God created you to become. Again, they didn't enter into community because it was about them. They aren't looking at you thinking, boy, I'm glad you're in this group because of what you can offer me. An orchard of community will love you and have a sincere regard for who God created you to become. And that community helps you pay attention to God's presence and that deep soul desire. And that community continually will ask you, are you living in ways that are congruent with your highest hopes? And what trellis of practices can we help you construct so that you grow in the direction of those desires? And we'll talk about that more in a couple of weeks. We know that the two disciples in this story were walking to Emmaus, but the key point is that they were walking away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem was at their back. Why did they leave Jerusalem? Because two days before, on Friday, their hopes were dashed. The Messiah they had envisioned, the conquering earth reigning king, was crucified, died, and was buried and gone forever, or so they thought. 
they were unaware that the tomb was empty. Just a few days prior, the resurrected Messiah, uh, just a few hours prior, the resurrected Messiah walked out of the tomb. And Orchard of Community is a set of relationships to help you recognize the direction you're walking. Are you walking away from your hopes? Are you walking away from actually the proof that Jesus is alive? These disciples were walking away from what they had hoped for. They had hoped for a conquering king. They just didn't expect their king to conquer death itself. So this orchard of community, they help you know and to clarify what you deeply long for. And they'll notice if you need to turn around and walk back towards those hopes. Continuing on in this story, verses 26 and 27. Um, Jesus um, has kind of said to them, he's kind of opened up the scriptures and he has kind of said, these are the verses that were uh, prophesying about this Messiah that you're talking about. And, and he kind of talks about from the beginning of scripture, how this was a fulfillment of God's plan all along. And then he says, beginning in verse 26, and he Talks to He talks about himself in, in third person. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. What Jesus does here is what we talked about in the G of grounded in God's story. He helps ground them in God's story. He helps them understand that they... Um, had been living according to a false narrative. In particular, they had bought into a narrative that believed, you know, if this is really of God, if this is truly good and from God, then there will be no suffering or death. But the true narrative of God is that death leads to life, that even suffering can be something that God uses to work out things to the good for those who love him. The true narrative says, that if it's not good, then it's not over. So they continue to walk together. At this point, the two disciples are not yet aware that the one who taught them the unfolding story of God was God himself. They just knew that they wanted to continue walking with him. Um, so when they arrive at their destination, they invite Jesus, this stranger, their traveling companion, to stay and to be their guest for a meal. And then in verse 30 says, when Jesus was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. So it's kind of, Jesus started off at that meal as the invited guest, but then he becomes the host. He's the one that takes the bread, offers thanks, and serves them. Hold on to that. Verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? An orchard of community asked, when have you noticed your heart burning with the presence of Christ? When did you notice that you were not just a church member, you were an ember? Your heart burning with the presence of Christ? 
The issue was not whether or not Christ was present. He certainly was. The issue was whether the disciples had the capacity to recognize him. And they did. But in this case, it was a process. At the beginning of the story, follow with me on this. At the beginning of the story, the disciples saw Jesus as an uninvited stranger. Then they accepted him as a traveling companion. Then he was a teacher. Then he was an invited guest. And then the guest becomes the host. And finally, they saw Jesus as their resurrected Lord. And here's what I'd like for you to do on, on the group chat. If you'd be willing to do this, when you examine your life right now, as you are, not your life as at your peak or uh, your life as you wish it was, just honestly, as it is now, when you examine your life right now, as you are, which example best describes your current level of interaction with Jesus? And this is very subjective. And the purpose of this is no judgment, no comparisons. It's just for your own greater self-awareness. What is your current level of interaction with Jesus? Is it A, an uninvited stranger? Is Jesus B, an intriguing traveling companion with you right now? C, a teacher? D, an invited guest? E, is he your host? F, is he resurrected Savior? All of these were places, no matter where you find yourself, keep in mind, Jesus accepted these disciples as they traveled through this process. So for you, what is Jesus like right now in the midst of what's going on? An intriguing traveling companion and a teacher. Awesome. That's great. I'll be the first to admit, sometimes he's an uninvited stranger. When I'm going through a tough time, um, challenges in life, uh, when somebody tells me, you know, God's with you in that, I, I would just rather be out of <laughs> that tough situation. Um, in that sense, he's an uninvited stranger. I, God, I don't even want to be in this hard spot right now. D and F, an invited guest and a resurrected Savior. Um, for you, just as you think about it, for you, um, I want you to, as a, just as a place to be honest, um, can you accept that and even rejoice in that, that you are encountering Jesus right now in your midst somehow? I want an orchard of community that helps me progressively see God more and more for who he truly is. Even as life includes this present uninvited strangeness, I need people to remind me that even here, Jesus is with me. And we're not, we're not trying to create holy bubbles where we are insulated from the world, just the opposite. We want to plant orchards of community to surround people who don't yet recognize God. That's who we're on mission for. Orchards of community. We want to be an orchard of community um, that doesn't judge, but rather welcomes people and their questions and their doubts on their journey, um, welcoming them, uh, each other, 
as we are so that we can gain a fuller picture of God's story and of our place in God's story. But that orchard of community humbly knows that only God can open eyes to people so people can see him for who he is. And we, as an orchard of community, get blessed by that aha moment when someone sees Jesus as their Messiah and Savior and abundant life. I mean, come on, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? And you can see how this stirs us to action because in, in verses 33 and 34, um, once they have had this epiphany, this is Jesus in our midst, this is what they do. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen. An orchard of community reminds you that you now have a story that's worth telling. You've encountered Jesus and people need to know about your encounter with Jesus. And an orchard of community will support you by saying, there are people who need to hear about your encounters with the risen Christ. There are people who have lost hope. And as a result, they are walking in the wrong direction, just as you once were. Your purpose is to share your newfound hope in the risen, resurrected Christ. If you're a part of one of these growth groups, there's going to be a time each week when we gather over Zoom in which we, we go into breakout rooms and in those smaller groups of three or so, uh, we'll have an, an opportunity to discuss how, uh, whether it's through a spiritual practice or just paying attention to the week, we have recognized God's presence in our midst. Um, we will kind of ask each other, when did your heart burn within you? When were your eyes open to the presence of God over the past week? Now, of course, you don't have to wait for something as formal and structured as a group or Bible study. Um, but perhaps like me, the accountability would help. Um, I would love it when the most common and natural conversation we have at Bay Marin involves the ways that God is making his presence known among us. That is the conversation that just rolls right off our tongue. Let me tell you about this beautiful way that I encountered God this week. When I moved here uh, 18 months ago, or maybe it's not been quite that long, um, I didn't have dreams or plans of Bay Moran becoming a mega church where we would have uh, multiple campuses um, and we'd expand across the country. Um, here's what I envision. Uh, this is what I envisioned then, and it's still what I see um, as our uh, very, very doable reality now. What I envision is planting backyard orchards, planting small groups of people who sway the spiritual ecosystem of Marin and beyond. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a central place to gather weekly for worship, for our souls to breathe, for God's word to nourish us. But then we return to our roots, those core desires that call us back out into the community for the glory of God and for the sake of others. Throughout the week, we gather in small backyard orchards where we exhort one another to pursue our God-given God-given calling that's rooted 
in his love for us? What if when we gathered on Sundays, it was in part to celebrate the ways that we lived fully to the glory of God and for the sake of others in our backyard orchards, in our neighborhoods, our workplaces, or whatever that specific cause is that breaks your heart. When I'm with my orchard of friends here at Bay Marin, I'm more aware that there is a God and he's much closer than I thought. When I'm with my small orchard of friends here, I'm encouraged to live life to the fullest, knowing that God created me for, for something good. And when I'm with that small orchard of friends, I'm encouraged to go and tell others how I have encountered the risen Christ. As we prepare for communion, um, one of the things I really love about this story in Luke 24 is how the disciples finally recognized Jesus. It wasn't a bright flash of lightning or after a big miracle, but in perhaps the most simple, ordinary way when sharing a meal. I'd love to see Jesus in flashes of brilliance and through miraculous encounters, but there's a part of me that longs to see Jesus in all things, in the ordinary and everyday stuff of life. And I don't think there's anything more common than eating. <laughs> Everyone eats. Maybe that's one reason why Jesus said, when you eat this bread and you drink this cup, remember me. Because he knew everybody at some point was going to be eating and drinking. So while you're doing it, remember Jesus. When, when people get together, it represents a fundamental connection between human beings who want to grow in their relationships. This is what we have in common as we take communion. Jesus said, remember me. You may not be able to remember everything in life, but if you remember one thing, remember this meal that we shared. Remember, Jesus says that I was broken and given to you. So let's partake now. Take the bread and remember his body that was offered for you. And remember our common thirst to be forgiven and brought back into union with Jesus. He said, remember me. This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Just as your body is nourished by bread and wine, may your soul be strengthened by the body and blood of Christ. To close out, I just want to say that, um, again, the book is The Good and Beautiful God by James Bryan Smith. Um, you don't have to have it for the first session. Um, so you could just come check it out Wednesday or um a week from Monday, just to see what we're going to be doing, if you still have some questions. But I want to um, close with this blessing that Peter writes in his second letter, and it's, it's uh, the blessing that I've been saying over us as a church um, in this series uh, having to do with growth. May we grow 
in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen.